0: I go back to when I was in high school and I did humanitarian work in West Virginia. And the pastor said, when I got there, he pulled me to this aside and he said, if somebody calls you a nigger, mm-hmm. don't worry because they've never seen black people except on TV. Mm. So just don't take offense. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, well, what am I supposed to do with this information at 16?
1: 16.
0: And how are you not my ally yeah. to help educate them not to say that?
1: Yeah. I'm Jeremy Dixon and you're listening to The Misfit Manifesto. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us uh, for our incredible Misfit Manifesto podcast. So on today's episode, I sit down with newly minted Congresswoman Sydney Comlock. Sydney has spent her career prioritizing equity and access for Californians, specifically Angelenos, and we talk about the ever-changing landscape of politics in America, how government is and needs to evolve, and how Americans can adopt new governance and protocols. So I'm so grateful to have uh, Sydney with us today, and and I, I don't even know how to communicate. This is a huge honor. How how many people can say that for their first episode of their podcast, they are sitting with a American congresswoman. <laughs>
0: this is huge. This is big. Well, who can say with their first podcast, they're sitting with the great Jeremy Dixon? I will
1: take that all <laughs> day long. I appreciate you. You better. Thank you so much for being with us.
0: <laughs> Thank you for the invitation.
1: Absolutely. First of all, um, so you're like new to Congress, not new to advocacy, not new to government, but new to Congress. And so how does that feel?
0: So thank you for this. I love being in this chair for the inaugural. Uh, (laughs) It's uh, overwhelming, I'm gonna be honest. You know, you see these people on TV, you read about them in the history books. Sometimes you see them go to jail and and then, you get into this position where you're sitting on the floor of the House of, you know, the House of Representatives for the United States, where presidents have gone, yeah. and you think, "Wow, you know, there are less than twelve thousand people who've held this position. I think there are less than one hundred um, black people who have. Mm. So it's humbling.
1: That's incredible." All right, so we're going to get into a whole lot of stuff okay. today, but I want to, like, I want to ease into it. Okay. Just with so here, here's a million-dollar question. Okay. I know you, you've been waiting for this question because no one's asked you this question. Okay. In Hollywood, f- from a film perspective, what is your favorite film that depicts government? Mm. Follow-up, and why did you choose Eddie Murphy's Distinguished Gentleman? Go. <laughs>
0: So uh, I thought the question was going to be, what's my sign? I was going to say, I'm a cancer. Okay. That's the most important. No. <laughs> That's the most important. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Movies. Yep. Film. I'm a romantic, I think, at heart. Okay. Even though I portray a cynic in real life. Do you? Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like... You know, Veep, which is TV, I think yes. was hilarious because yep. it really is more like that. Okay. Um, West Wing is very aspirational. You're hoping people think that. House of Cards, I feel like I'm living that now. <laughs>
1: That's more I, reality. You know what I mean? I'm yes. like,
0: I don't want to see any dead bodies. Right. Um, you know, the American president was um, just kind of nice because you got to see a personal side in the film, obviously, sure. to people who live this and, you know, the importance of being in relationships and finding love, yeah, right, and yeah, connecting. Yeah. And then the distinguished gentleman, oddly enough...
1: Come on, let's go. Hello. Let's go.
0: It's um very relatable.
1: It's wonderful.
0: It's so... A funny story. You know, that movie was about, you know, Eddie Murphy's character basically used the name of a dead guy and ran, right, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, win. Mm-hmm. So in this last election in Pittsburgh... Uh, there was a person who was retiring, who was a Democrat, uh, whose name I think was Tim Doyle. The Republicans found someone with the exact same name. Get out of here! Yes, Tim Doyle to run <laughs> to confuse voters. I mean, I was like, this was taken right out of the movie. It was
1: in the movie, so I, I there's something to that. Now, <laughs> what about? Have you seen Wag the Dog?
0: I have seen wag the what dog. What are your thoughts about that? Very true too. Isn't that interesting? How do you create scenarios to distract the mm. American people from what's really going on mm-hmm. so that you can pivot into this crazy land space? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen that in a number of different scenarios. I feel like we're doing that right now with this George Santos guy. I mean, who is he really? Um, but instead of talking about him, they're creating, you know, I mean, the debt ceiling is real, but they're sure. creating all of these other issues. Communist China, the people are going to kill us. You know, um, Democrats are demons. I mean, that came up on the floor. Mm. And so, so that we're not talking about some of these other things. That are really also, I think, important to the American people. So there's a lot of that.
1: Yeah. Like, let's
0: pivot and talk about this so we don't have to talk about this.
1: Weapons of mass distraction.
0: Trump did that a lot. Hmm. And he kind of used the issue, he dug into the issue to distract you from the issue, right? And then he he pivoted and made the issue about someone else when it was really about him. So there's a, I think, a finesse to how people manipulate truth. Yeah. Uh, but it's also a problem with government because that's what I think a lot of people think about that So okay.
1: your childhood, actress, activist, artist, social work, uh, the, these are your parents Yeah, these like, are my parents This is like there's this huge, you know, wide world that you kind of grow up in It seems very vibrant, what was childhood like for you?
0: Childhood was uh, going to picket lines before I even knew what it meant to be in a union. It was um, going to jazz clubs way past my bedtime. <laughs> uh, it was, you know meeting people like Art Blakey wow. um, and, and Dizzy Gillespie. It was uh, hanging out backstage in the theater when my mother didn't have childcare and falling asleep between the rows, learning how to play chess with, um, you know, um, Paul Benjamin, who was in a number of Spike Lee movies. Um, Childhood was uh, getting on the A train after school to go to my mom's job. She Mm -hmm. worked at the Studio Museum in Harlem uh, when she had to work late by myself, um, you know, I was a latchkey kid. Uh, childhood was going to rent parties for other actors and dancers so that really? they, you know, could raise money to pay the rent. We lived in Brooklyn at the time.
1: So for a minute, just some people may have missed what a rent party is. So for our audience, <laughs> huh. just unpack rent parties a little bit for okay.
0: us. For your half and listeners. That's, there you go. So all, the, all the rich <laughs> folks.
1: All the rich people.
0: A rent party is when you cannot pay the rent. Okay. And so you ask your friends and Mm -hmm. their friends to show up Mm -hmm. and donate at the door for a party (laughs) at your house, and then you come and you give your little three, four, five to ten dollars, and then hopefully enough people show up so that you make the rent.
1: Sounds like church. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In an in an interview or an article I read, you mentioned being raised to be unapologetically black, vocal, and empathetic. Mm. I love you chose those three. Yeah. Vocal, I mean, unapologetically black, but vocal and empathetic. Tell yeah. me, what it, what do you mean? Like, in what ways?
0: Well, uh, you know, born of a product of an interracial marriage. My dad is white. My mom is black. So they had lots of struggles. Okay. Um, denied housing because they were interracial. I had to fight the city. Uh, you know, the landlord was like, saying all kind of crazy names to them uh, and then, you know, was peeking through the window to see what I was going to look like when I was born. You know, I, I don't know. Interracial child have three heads. What's this going <laughs> to look like? Uh, but so I grew up with a mother whose best friend was a black Panther, mm. a father who uh, walked uh, through Cabrini Green to make sure folks were enrolled to get um, services, I would go to visit his family in Canton and I was the only black person in the town. The only? The only. The wow. only. So vocal, learning to not be afraid of your own skin.
1: hmm Yeah.
0: And to say what you see. Yeah. Uh, empathetic to realize that other people don't have the same lens that you have. Sure. And before you judge them, how do we find a common space mm. where we're either seeing a similar thing or we understand what the differences are?
1: Yeah. My imagination says that your upbringing and then experiencing those type of things may be a reason you have such a passion for like interracial dynamics and really helping to serve to be a bridge builder. What when When you look at the work you do now, how much of that is tied to your experiences, and how often do you reflect on your upbringing when you're trying to build coalition around those in our community, and Angelenos, and, and really Californians now?
0: Yeah. Every single day. I mean, L.A. is incredibly diverse. How many dialects are spoken in L.A. Unified? Yeah. You know, how many restaurants can you go to that serve all different kinds of foods? And then how much tension is there here? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest— um, and I use my upbringing every single day. I think, how could these two people who were so unconventional get together, you know, to have meat, They got—they were separated very early on, got divorced. They, they do not work well together, but now they do.
1: <laughs> um, They're better as friends. Yes. Got it, got it.
0: Um, but there was a reason the universe brought them together. Um, a woman incredibly black and then— a man incredibly empathic hmm. to everyone else. Um, and so I think about them coming together. I think about, you know, being the lightest black skinned person in a school or going to Canton where no one else looked like me mm-hmm. and working in the general store and having people just respond to me as a young girl, not yeah. saying you're black or I I I um go back to when I was in high school and I did humanitarian work in West Virginia in the Appalachian Mountains, and we had to clean the house of this family. Uh, Poor white trash, like never be—I have never seen poverty like this, Jeremy. Really? And the house stunk to high heaven, feces and urine soaked in the bed, clothes everywhere. There were like four kids and three of the kids— the daughter had four kids. Three of them were uh, she birthed from her uncle, who was living across from the house in an wow. RV. So incest up the wazoo. Yeah. And the pastor said, when I got there, he pulled me to this aside and he said, if somebody calls you a nigger, mm-hmm. don't worry, because they've never seen black people except on TV. Mm. So just don't take offense. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, well, what am I supposed to do with this information at 16?
1: 16.
0: And how are you not my ally yeah. to help educate them not to say that? Yeah. So I was defensive on my guard. I mean, I was like, you know, there are two black kids doing this trip. And I thought, well, so if they call us this, are these white kids going to stick up for us?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We clean this house. I meet the little this little toddler baby. And I thought, huh. Oh, he was looking at me strange, and I thought, well, here it comes. <laughs> right. And then he just grabbed my hand and my hair, and he he wouldn't let go. And they said, well, you got to, you know, so that you can clean. Yeah. And he just clung to me the entire time. Now, if I hadn't had the upbringing I think that I had, I would have responded to that child differently, and it might not have gone the way it went. Sure. You don't lead with race; you lead with relationships and heart. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you're not colorblind. Right. I'm certainly not. Right. But that was a moment because this child was innocent, and responded to me in a way that someone would without bias and yeah. prejudice, who hadn't been taught how to yeah. treat someone that didn't look like them.
1: Yeah,
0: it was evident this white baby was curious about my skin color right. and my hair, but how it unfolded reminded me that you know god is present sure and wants the best from us if we're open to that yeah and so i <clears throat> i use that in how i work you know you it's meet people that, that don't like you mm-hmm. that don't support your views mm-hmm. maybe that didn't vote for you that don't speak the language so how do you figure out a way to still some of that so that I can connect to you, mm-hmm. Jeremy, yeah. Dixon, yeah. Yeah. your spirit. right? That will inform me how to work with you yep. more than the title, the race, the age.
1: Mm-hmm. Which goes back to what you mentioned about empathy. Like you were grown in an environment that leaned into empathy. And that's so necessary. The capacity to hold space for the other, at least, you know, though that's a can be a detrimental term, but the consciousness of difference Mm -hmm. does not mean the narrative needs to be disagreement, right? Or conflict. And so having empathy, I think, is a huge aspect. All All right, let's talk about conflict a little bit. Okay. I was watching C-SPAN like it was, I'm talking about like I was binge watching yes. on Netflix. It was
0: like, bravo. Oh, my Lord. I know.
1: I couldn't turn away. It was like a car crash. You don't want to look, but you got to no. look. And I kept looking. And, and so, you know, with all this new technology, you can like watch TV at home and it's on your devices. And every once in a while, see the, especially when there was like the little terse exchange, mm. you know, the camera passed by you. Yes. You know, so you, I saw you. I think I may have texted you yes. when that happened. Yes. So this whole thing happens and the whole world is watching. Mm. In this moment, C-SPAN did what is not often done. Right. Right, not allowed to, to be done. We were able to see so much more. And I think what I've heard, and I don't know if you've heard this, a lot of questions came up about, just the antiquated way, aside from the conflict, just the methodology, and it and it begs some larger questions about how business gets done in government. Mm. Mm. So you represent someone who has huge depth of field because of your work before Congress, mm-hmm. but also someone who is new to this space, so you, you're innovative, you're—is government efficient, and if it's not— what do you think about yeah. ways in which we can help to turn that?
0: Good Lord. So, um, <laughs> How much time do I have, right? <laughs> I know. I know. This is a therapy session. Uh, you know, you go there. It's the first day. We're going there to get sworn in. Right. Everyone's excited. You have your family your members. Your family's
1: there. Everyone's uh, there. Right. Right?
0: People taking days off from work right. to fly here to see nonsense. Yeah. So you're there and you're like, "This. let's be... Really um, deferential to -hmm. this house and moment. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, this is a circus. (laughs) Uh, And you realize, thank goodness, in that moment in time, because we had not elected a speaker, we had not voted on a rules package, which determines how the house is governed, Mm the uh, TV had... Uh, the the run of the house hmm. So that was like a moment Where you could see mm-hmm. Unfettered access That you would never see again And you see <clears throat> You know there's some tradition To how things go You stand up and do a roll call Now that's only for When you're doing a, a speaker vote When we go to vote We actually have a little credit card That we put in a little credit card machine got it. And then you vote
1: Got it, got it, got it
0: And it's yellow, red, or green Okay. but for this which is supposed to be ceremonial mm-hmm. it's very traditional mm-hmm. and chaotic in that moment but you do I'm learning how slow uh, government is I mean for the longest time they didn't even have a woman's bathroom on the floor because women weren't really you know in congress
1: really do you, do you happen to know when that changed
0: so I don't but it was it was not that long ago wow Um. We, you know, there's etiquette. You can't wear a jacket. You can't wear, you know, certain shoes. For a while, you could only wear a pantyhose. Um, There are steps. Hmm. Some of it is to make sure that we are doing our checks and balances and not basically spending the taxpayers' dollars to do crazy stuff. Sure. But some of it is, this is how it's always been done. Yeah. So if you've always sent a nonprofit organization a check in the mail,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then now he, here we have direct deposit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. government, you could move to direct deposit so yeah. the people doing the work can get the check a little sooner. That's right. I mean, that's a real example yeah. of how the state still operates.
1: Gotcha. So
0: it also happens in that way with the federal government.
1: This this is concerning because here's my sense is that um, when the world evolves and a system in it doesn't, it typically means that what is being done it takes more time and is more expensive,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Because typically evolutions are for efficiency. So if you're saying you know as an agency our government we're not we're not gonna not gonna evolve then that means it probably is costing us more money to do this, taking more time Mm -hmm. and reducing the efficiency of getting whatever Mm -hmm. we want to get done, get done. Do you feel like, aside from, and I'm going to get into some of the things you talk about relative to your focus, but aside from that, how do you see yourself in begging some of the larger questions about making government more efficient um, for for the people?
0: Yeah, so... There used to be a time where the only way you communicated with your constituents was you put something in the mail right. or you send them something in the mail and then they show up to an event. Social media and technology has allowed us to circumvent that. Yeah. So that's really useful. And I I actually do use it um, to talk to people about what's going on. I mean, I when I first got there, I did an Instagram on, you know, how we don't have access to our money. You know, we don't have keys to the office you know I, until I'm sworn in mm-hmm. I, I can't even open the door for a constituent to come in I mean I got staff working remotely wow. um you can't buy stamps you can't we have to rent the telephone okay Jeremy they're like hey you all you want all this office furniture you have to rent the phone what kind of phone do you want? You know, so you can't even (laughs) get that set up. Okay. You know, that's antiquated. Yeah. And I don't think the people know that. I mean, there's all this talk about how much you get paid, which is not a lot in the scheme of things because you live in two places, and how there's—we have great health insurance. So in Congress, you can either get Obamacare. Okay. Or you pay for your insurance. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you get a great package because you pay for it.
1: But you're right; it costs.
0: But you pay for it. But, <laughs> but and so people don't really know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, all right. So, so the I think I told you. So the title of our podcast mm. is Misfits Manifesto, right? I, I'm talking to as many people as possible because as much as we can cogitate around what's broken, what's wrong, who didn't, who did, I'm super <laughs> enthusiastic about what the future looks like. Mm. And I don't think the future is a place. I think it's a series of iterations, right? Um, and people who are engaged in creating the future are not afraid of it, right? So I wanna so I'm people like yourself and others, I'm I'm just asking some tough questions that we have to kind of think about relative to how do we see the world different? Like, what's the Mm -hmm. science fiction Mm -hmm. play, right? Mm -hmm. So I I went to your website, Mm -hmm. of course, and so I looked at all the things you said you want to focus on. Yeah. So I'm going to read them. Okay. And here's the question I'm going to ask after I read them. Okay where is the innovation? Mm. Meaning, I know these are long-standing things that people have been talking about for decades. You've got your heart wrapped around it. Where is the innovation? Where are the new ideas, the science fiction ideas relative to solving or adding value to these issues? So I'm just mm. going to read everything okay. I saw. Okay. Expanding voter rights, healthcare for all, reproductive justice, criminal justice reform, focus on diversion, redemption, and rehabilitation, job creation to create economic justice and opportunities for all communities, innovative investment in housing mm. a green new deal and immediate climate action increased spending on education and the arts all sounds wow. incredibly ambitious mm. where where's the new idea what's the innovation how are we going to shake up this system where's the disruption shake it let's up. come on let's get it going shake it right. up. let's hear it let's shake hear it, it i'm up. excited
0: <laughs> well part of the shake up is telling the truth there we go and letting people know what it really is is yeah, right. Yeah. So you get into these places of power and you wanna be all secretive. <laughs> you don't want to expose. <laughs> right. Uh so part of it's exposing. Yeah. And saying, I don't have all the answers. Mm. Uh, no one person has all the answers, right? I love it. The tribe helps come up with the answers based yeah. on what works for the tribe. In my space, the tribe is the constituency, but it's also humanity. Sure. I'm still trying to figure out an acro- an an acronym, but there's there are four buckets: arts and culture, the environment, democracy, and economic justice. Hmm. Economic justice is criminal justice, education, healthcare, generational wealth, mm-hmm. um, reparations. Uh, the innovation is is really going back to the future. I believe. That problems are gonna get solved in community.
1: Yeah.
0: That's where innovation is. Yeah. The side hustles that we're all doing, Mm -hmm. that's innovation. Yeah. And folks have like pop ups for this three months and then another pop up. It's failure and learning and then new successes.
1: I love it. You know what I mean? Experimentation. Yes.
0: And we have to have the government, Sydney, invest. In those experimentations, and we have to say it's okay for all of us to fail, okay? So So that's my innovation. Yeah. How do we invest? How do we turn consumers, black folks, brown folks, into manufacturers, producers, distributors? Yeah. How do we redistribute the assets in our communities into ways that— Benefit and create wealth for more than just one person. It's mm-hmm. why I was doing the urban farming. It's why I was so focused on um, housing and the faith-based community, um, you know, community land trusts. It's why I care a lot about the arts because I think arts and culture, a world without artists is not a world worth living. Mm. So I want us to invest Yeah. because, you know, Pookie... <laughs> has got some smarts. (laughs) Now, maybe his circumstances offer him limited options. Sure. But Pookie is good with math or good with organization or good with strategy. How do we invest in that to give Pookie more options?
1: So what could that look like? So when you say that, what does that investment specifically look like? Is that, edu- is that educational spaces? Like, what does that look yeah, like?
0: Yeah, it's everything. It's, okay. it's community schools, right? How do you rebuild co- schools in your community so that you're not bussing your kids someplace else and yeah. people that look like you are teaching you? How do you um, talk about green energy and technology in a way that people in Leimert Park, South LA, Inglewood, Compton, Watts understand? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you not just show up with a check and say, okay, here's a one-time only handout, but you're figuring out how to invest in ways that will allow communities to develop and redistribute their own assets. Mm-hmm. How do you talk about how do we keep or reclaim our land? I'm very interested in land seizure because the government has been taking people's lands for a long time, not yeah. just black folks, but yeah. white poor folks. Yeah. Eminent domain and all kind of other things. That's the history That's, of
1: America, right? It's so how we got up. America was tell me, tell me. taking some land from tell some me, people. Tell me. But go ahead. <laughs> tell me. And it's
0: the easiest, quickest way to harness wealth yeah. and asset. Yeah. So how do we undo some of that? Um, and then how do we invest in experimentation, you know, competitive grants? You know, can the government say, whoever can find a cure for cancer, I will give you $1 billion.
1: right. Yes.
0: And just not pharma. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. But you scientists, you HBCU med students, come up with a cure. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah. I would have conversations with my stepdad all the time, and he would say, we would talk, and you see these uh, segments on the news, and the young white child is in the boat by herself going from Florida to South Africa, and then the boat sinks, and she gets some more money for another boat and tries it again. There's benefactors.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That white girl had a dream, mm-hmm. and somebody believed in her, yeah. and they funded that dream. And then when she failed, they gave her more money to try it again That's right. until she was able to make it real. We have to get in the habit of allowing ourselves to dream outside of the boxes people ask us to stay in. We have to be allowed to fail. We have to be allowed to have people come back and reinvest until we get it right. Mm. Right? Yes. That's what I want to do with government.
1: Yeah. I mean, the concept of iteration, like it takes a few times to get there. Yes. But we're but here's the deal. Um, impoverished and/or or, or Marginalized communities because we don't have the safety net. A lot right. of times, we are much more averse to trying and failing because we don't know if we can recover. Right. There's oftentimes not right. someone to come alongside and say, "Hey, good try, didn't work out. I'm going to help. I'm going to support an undergird." So, absolutely having government. Like, invest in mm-hmm. communities to, to allow them not to be great right. the first time. Right. Right? It's like anything worth doing is worth doing bad at first. Yes. And give people a chance to iterate, and eventually we're going to get something of consequence. But oftentimes, communities of colors, impoverished communities, whatever whoever they might be, just don't have the backing or safety net to allow for them to right. dream, to jump, leap, and know that if they fall, it's not going to be fatal. Right. Right? I
0: mean— That's what venture capitalists do. Yes. They scour the earth for these great ideas. They invest in them. Obviously, they want them to make money. They're getting shares or buying them. They fail, they go look for the next one. Mm -hmm. We can do that. I mean, you can do that and say, hey, the government might get a 1% cut or whatever, but Mm -hmm. the goal is not so that you can recoup because they're taxpayer dollars, but the goal is how do you... Create opportunities for self-determination to happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't want the legacy of my people to be one of victims. Yeah. Because Biddy Mason had an idea. Madam C.J. Walker had an idea. We got ideas up the wazoo. That's right. Right? So we can dream. We've been asked through generations to not dream as big as we can. And so I need us... To, I need government to unwind that very harmful narrative yeah. and get back into the business of investing. We did it with WPA. We did it with GIs when they came back from mm-hmm, the war, right? Mm-hmm. We did it with women when the men were gone mm-hmm, fighting, mm-hmm. so we know how to do it. Mm-hmm. We did it with COVID.
1: Yep. We did it with Tesla. Yep. Well, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, one of the things that I'm often curious about, I feel like you talked about collaboration of a moment ago, I'm always curious about how to how government specifically can foster environments like these, you know, these spaces where innovators, market disruptors, you know, influencer thinkers are coalescing around big ideas. Like when you said, hey, HBCU students, we got a billion dollars, whoever has the answer. How do we create those pockets, the new Silicon Valley, where people are co-locating and because of the energy and the synergy in that space, great ideas are emerging mm-hmm. from that environment. Do you feel like there is a play for government to like invest in spaces or invest in um, whether that's geographical spaces mm-hmm. or even you know facilities mm-hmm. or in organizations where you build that coalition?
0: I think so. I'm I'm now focused on the federal level. So when I hear your question, I think. Yes. How, who is it, Black Caucus with Hispanic Caucus that's pushing the, the president to say, you know, you should be doing an executive order on this. You mm-hmm. should be visiting this. You should be charging uh, the CEOs of these 10 logistical companies to invest in X or Y? Mm-hmm. It's how do you move people like Marsha Fudge, who used to be in Congress and is now head of HUD, mm-hmm. to say, hey, look at Los Angeles as the epicenter for housing opportunity, and how can we be bold through HUD to get money to this region Mm -hmm. to help us with housing? Um, You work together with Bipartisan folks, if you can, maybe people in different regions um, to say, how do we come together on this bold idea and then push it? It's not always going to be through legislation. Sometimes it's through the community earmarks. So everyone says, well, that's bad. No, it's not. Community earmarks is when you say there's a great organization in my district Mm -hmm. and they need help. Mm-hmm. Cause they're trying to build a bridge, mm-hmm. open up a school, filled, fill fill uh, feed ten thousand homeless people. Mm-hmm. They need some help, and big government doesn't see them. So little government, little district does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know how do you use those dollars, right? And 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 support ideas and inspiration happening in your district. All if if we're pushing all of those levers, yeah. I think things can get done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I almost almost wonder if there's even some benefit for government to offer subsidies or something to larger companies yeah. to incentivize them, well, right? So to they, create these spaces. We
0: we do that a lot, but we don't ask for a lot in return, right? For innovation purposes? Yeah. Okay, okay. So I so government does work You know tax incentives. You get tax credits, tax breaks. You know a lot of those are offered, oftentimes through cities and states, but from the federal government to, Hey, relocate here. Mm -hmm. You know you don't have to pay any taxes. Mm -hmm. And so okay, uh, okay, then we'll come and we'll 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 put our headquarters here because the notion is that if you the if the business relocates, then you're going to get money through sales tax and people spending. But we can say. You need to adopt a school. Mm-hmm. If you come up in here, right? you know, you're responsible yep. for helping this school yep. go from a D to an A. Absolutely. We should be doing that. Yes. We should be saying, hey, FedEx. Hey, UPS. Amazon. Amazon. Adopt a block.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: Everything on the block. Yep. <laughs> There's some houses on the block. There's yep. a school on the block. There's a church on the block. Yeah. Um, If you want to come here. That's what we can do. So, I mean, I've gone around and I've tried to tell people there's a different kind of empowerment zone or opportunity zone that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. But you got employees in these big old companies. Get on out here.
1: That's right. right. (laughs) Okay. So I want to just deviate because you brought up your stepfather. Uh, Okay. You sent me a picture. So I preached a sermon. You were in church. Yeah. And you said- Many mansions. Yes. So you're- so your stepfather is an incredible artist. He is. I'm, I'm, I have two more questions that are like okay, based okay. on the podcast. We'll uh, get back to it in just a second. Ha, ha, ha. But I want to I want to just okay. just for a minute tell us about your stepdad and, and his art.
0: Okay, so Carrie James Marshall is my stepdad. Okay. Um, uh he's the artist. Yes, uh, P Diddy and auction spent yes. a lot of money to get his
1: painting. Don't say that. Like you got to uh, raise your voice a little bit. Okay, twenty one okay. million dollars. Woo.
0: In auction the largest sale ever for any black artist. We need to
1: stop. We need, if I had the, like, the little, <laughs> like, some applause. I need some kind of... Ooh, it, whoo, whoo, whoo. My producers, can yeah. you all clap over there, please? <laughs> can we just give some mad love to... That is huge.
0: So it is, and then...
1: Was it the one that you sent me or a different one?
0: No, no, it was, it was a different one. It different, was a different okay. one. So then I was talking to Kerry about something, and he said, uh, I guess he said he called a... Uh, uh, P. Diddy, about something, something had come up and he said, y'all have no more money, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broke but now. I know. <laughs> but the That's story amazing. the story behind it was that Swiss Beats, who's married to um, Alicia Keys, is mm-hmm. very interested in the arts and is trying to get black, wealthy people to purchase at auction mm-hmm. the black paintings, paintings by black people, so that to keep it in the family. Yeah. And this had come up. Um, on the auction block and it was it was important he thought for this to go to a black person and I guess I could be getting it wrong I think he was he outbid like Eli Broad or something. Wow. So you know I wanna say like when Carrie met my mom, he was at the studio museum in Harlem. None of us didn't have no money. That was the beans (laughs) part of the story. The bean season. We're
1: gonna call that the beans season. The bean
0: season, that's right. (laughs) Um, but they've been together for almost, you know, 30 years. And uh it's it's a love, it's a black love that is so rich and honest and has been helpful in guiding me to be a better black woman and wife yeah. and mother.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but he's so Unapologetic. So he his work is black people. I mean, it is a black color. It yeah, is not yeah. a brown shade or yeah, nothing. Yeah. Everyone is beautiful, and so there are images of like black love and men twirling their black girls around. There are images of daily life. You know, where you're on a lake fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of subversive imagery in this that relates to gun violence and mm-hmm. death and mm-hmm. and and lynching and our past, but it's always rooted in just the everyday life of black people and the beauty, the true beauty and resilience mm. and colorfulness of us. So so he's my stepdad. I love it. And I don't really talk about him a lot. This is okay. probably the most I've ever talked about him. Another,
1: Come on, one more time, producers. Let's give some love for this. I feel so honored. So now you said something about, about this kind of maybe being um, – Developmental for you as a wife. So I told you a yeah. story that I knew your husband before I knew you yeah. and had no idea you all were married. Yeah. And so I will not name the department, but I met your husband in a meeting with a police department. Yeah, that did not go well. Dun dun. It was it was uh it was pastors and it was you know captains from this department and it was right of George Floyd and then some other things that happened recently. And so, you know, everyone was having these meetings and these kumbayas and departments were kind of expressing what they were doing. So we sat there for a while. We listened to this very, very long, and they brought up all these people and diverse folk. You know how they you know I how do. I do, I know. I, and I mean, no disrespect, I love law enforcement as it serves well. And, I, okay, so this is not to bash anybody no. or anything. Well, However, they do
0: a dog and pony. They're like, oh, we, oh are we
1: doing this, Yeah, this, You know how it goes. I know. And, and then
0: they use up all the time and you, and you got then, no time to ask no questions.
1: And at the end. And, you know, we were allowed to speak. So your husband and his partner—and their law firm is called—
0: Well, it's Justice X, but it's the Dove Law Corp.
1: Okay, so they were there with us. Mm. And so they began to speak. And here's what—the premise was simply this. Mm. With their work for justice and recourse relative to— Misappropriate or inappropriate actions of officers. They were advocating that more good officers would just come forward, but we know that you all oftentimes are fearful of retribution. That's why it doesn't happen. So they were just there and that. And when I tell you that meeting blew up, I'm talking about it. One of the officers stood up. Nobody had been standing up the whole time. One officer jumped up and He started just going off about what we didn't know and how, you know, and if you want to experience community with officers, come down and bring pizza to the officers. And he named some person. It was was wild. I had to get to a meeting, so I had to say my piece before I left. So I commented, of course, thank your husband for being there, and talked about, like, this is part of the reason for some of the breakdowns Mm -hmm. when there's not the empathy Mm -hmm. needed to listen. Like, we listened for about 45 minutes, and but your husband is, like, cooler than a polar bear's toenail. This man <laughs> sat there. He's the most composed man I've ever met in my life. And he sat there, and he just kind of went through a smile on his face the whole time, undeterred, unmoved. And so I just—I had a deep affinity for him, his work, and the way in which he carried it out. It yes. wasn't aggressive. It wasn't ab- abusive or abrasive, but yes. it, was, it was hard-line truth. So then I meet you, and then you're amazing, and then oh. we get on a call together, yeah. and I'm like, oh, you all are connected. Yeah. Tell me about, just a little bit about that. I know I'm, like, taking up all of your time, no. but tell me about your husband just a little bit more and about your relationship. And <laughs> I, you're, you're like, for those who are listening at home or in the car, she is smiling <laughs> from ear to <laughs> ear. I, I see butterflies and hearts coming out of her eyes. Yes, yes. Yeah, this is great.
0: So I tell people, I've told all my staff, uh, whenever I've gone to a new office I say my number one priority is to stay married amen so there's a what bills what's your priority my number one priority <laughs> is Austin Duff there you go uh been married for seven years we met uh you know on a dairy farm doing a regional delegation um, Wait, seminar what? I know <laughs> and we met in Bakersfield on a on a dairy farm I know it was the third trip in a five leg trip across the state to look at regional economies. Oh. And so the first week the first trip I was under the weather and he said I was salty to him. He said hi. He was like <laughs> I was like give me a refund. You people are whack. <laughs> then the second trip uh I was not there because I had to work. And then the third trip was Bakersfield. And so we kind of hit it off. I was like, why are you trying to hang out with me, man? (laughs) I don't got no time for you. And then uh, I was like, you just, I'm laughing over here with these other people. And so, um, but then we hit it off and we stayed connected and we formed a friendship and then fell in love. And I, so I have three step kids. He's got three children. And so, and I, You know, both divorced. I'd been married before. And so my stepdad, you know, uh, came into my mother's life when I was young and married. And she was divorced. She had a child. And he, you know, didn't have kids. And so he kind of came into this. Okay. And he became my confidant when I was younger, Carrie. I would ask him about, like, relationship issues. And he is, like, very honest. So I was like, well, okay, that's a little sugar with that, man. (laughs) But, um... He, but I saw how they worked Mm. and they were honest and they Mm. loved each other and they struggled and embraced and they let each other be themselves. And I used that in my relationship with Austin Mm. what it meant to be a stepmother. Mm. You know, how do you build relationships with kids recognizing they have another parent in their world too? And, how do you just try to be someone's friend sure. and encourage a child to be their best selves Yeah and then how do you how do you love a black man mm. who does this kind of work where yeah. they just see so much trauma I yeah. mean he comes home and he shares stuff with me I, I it, it breaks my heart yeah you hear about, you know, p- young men being raped in prison. You mm. hear about just all the circumstances that got them there, people getting out or getting a deal and then just going back for really stupid stuff yeah. and struggling to the gratefulness around getting someone out, the family that's in disarray when they go away, how they're abused by the system, by the courts, by the police, mm. um, how poverty, I mean, Seeing nephews shot in the living room, and then the police don't show up for nine hours, and you walking around somebody mm. dead, and that's a lot to yeah. carry. Yeah, yeah. So I also kind of learned, also through my stepdad and my mom, like how to love someone who's a warrior. Yeah. for our people. Yeah, worrying to be a good father. Yeah, right. Um, a good man. Also unapologetically black, right? And then how do you support him? Yeah. So it's been fun. I mean, I learned a lot of stuff that I never thought I was going to have to learn. But um, there's so much joy, I think, that comes from when you know God has sent you to someone Mm. to join them in this journey called life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's amazing. That's a. I mean, I just, I like, I like, felt it in my heart. Just, <laughs> that was so good. Well, just write you wrote a book about your love.
0: I know. Well, you should also say. I mean, you and we all talk because we asked you to pray for yeah. us before the swearing in. Yeah. And I, I, I believe you felt. Yeah. The importance of of that I and did. why it was so necessary for for us to hear you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and you know for what it's worth being able to like deeply appreciate the reverence in which you hold what you're called to do and the tension that comes with mm-hmm. making sure that you're doing it in an honorable way and that you're honoring your family and that you're you know you're yeah. executing your duties in a way that does not dismiss or in some way cause you to be derelict when it comes to those that right. you love. And like so that was impactful for me yeah. because you don't see that on C-SPAN, you know, no, you from don't. people typically no. No. And, you, and having a chance to really yeah. peer into like, you mean this.
0: Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, I was giving side eye on C-SPAN because I was like, you come over here with that fight, I got something for you. <laughs> and, you know, craziness. We yeah. were going to the floor and we got on the elevator and it was like all these Southern white men from I don't know what states and they were talking and they didn't even see us, but they had such intense accents. Hmm. And we kind of looked at each other and Austin was like, he said, I got a tick in my eye because it took us back to like Jim Crow. And he's like, is this who you're dealing with? Wow! So you're in that moment, you're in these spaces with people who are very nice. I met Republicans. They're like, hello, ma'am. Oh, so nice to meet you, ma'am. I love it. Oh, excuse me. Did I, you know, I don't want to offend you. And then you're like, okay. And then you hear them say stuff on the floor and you're like, (laughs) <laughs> but so then, you know, you say, I need this shield on me. Sure. But then you also need to remind yourself that this is not real. Mm. The man at home in L.A. Mm-hmm. who's picking up your son because you're in D.C. Mm-hmm. and trying to get him to basketball and hopefully is heating up the soup you made yeah. before you left. And
1: not burning the beans. And not burning the beans. Yep.
0: That's why you're doing it.
1: Yes. I, you, you're gonna make me ask a lot more questions, okay. but I'm, I'm gonna keep moving because okay. we can go down this path. All right, so I have two more. Now okay. here, here's the next one. So we're seeing some incredible people on on both sides of the house, mm. you know, and in, in all in in all spheres and levels of government, mm-hmm. starting to gracefully consider that it's time for them to move on. Yes. Right. So we're seeing that this seemed like a decade of transition. Yes. With that being the case, you being one of them, who else are you keeping your eye on as like some exciting people that will receive the baton as those who are going on in that transition?
0: I mean, so, A, I'm excited about the crop of folks that I'm in Congress with right now. This Mm -hmm. young brother, Maxwell Frost, out of Florida. He's caught the eye of everyone in America because he's a Gen Z. (laughs) Uh, But he's so down to earth. He's an old soul. Um, so I'm hoping that there are more Maxwell's around. We have a young brother. I don't want to, you know, I hate to call people's names out, but I will. (laughs) Young Eddie Anderson with, uh, McCarty Memorial is doing it. And so, you know, we hope that he finds a space, um, to run. There are, are folks that are, I think are here in LA that do really great work. And they're probably making more money than they would be making if they were running for office. Gotcha. But the connection you have, your ability to be honest in a way that allows people to receive you, Mm -hmm. that's who we need running. Yeah. We don't need every kind of problem solver, self-funded, wabdi-wabdi. You need people (laughs) who are relatable and honest. Yeah. I trust when you tell me there's no money, there's no money. Hmm. I trust when you tell me I have to fill out this application, that something will happen. I trust when you say you'll call me, you'll call me. Mm-hmm. I think we've gotten to the point where that's what people want. Yep.
1: That's right. That's and that's right. what we have to do. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So Eddie Anderson, Jeremy uh,
0: Dixon, maybe. Let's.
1: Well, I don't know if I'm going to run for office, but I'm definitely. Okay, yes! producer. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll take that, producer. Thank you so much. All right. Not to mention, so this is- But you could
0: be on a commission. You could could. run for like a water board. You could try to get appointed for something. I mean, there's all kinds of things.
1: Well, I haven't, I got to end with the congressperson. You do, you you do. You You should call her. You should holler, holler. I will do the best I can. Okay, (laughs) so here's my final question. So Misfit Manifesto, once again, is calling our shot. believing that there's some innovative ways which we can change culture, disrupt what's happening and do something great. There's a Sergey Brin quote that I, I love to quote record everywhere I go and he says if what you're doing doesn't sound to some as science fiction it's not transformative mm. enough. So here's my question to you uh, Congresswoman Sydney Kamlager. My question is what's the thing that sounds foolish until it happens. What do you see? What's the science fiction thing you see? Like, call your shot. Next five years, 10 years, when it comes to the work that you're going to do, what is that thing or those things? Mm. What are the innovations that you feel like you're going to give your life to? Mm. And it may seem a little crazy, but you're going to give your all to see if those things can come to reality.
0: So, it's so funny. I read that quote, and my counter to it, I think, is from Wu-Tang Klang. Let's go. That said... uh, If you're not living on the margins, you're taking up too much space.
1: Time out. Round of applause, Wu Tang Clan. Let's give it up for Wu Tang Clan. (laughs) Let's (laughs) go. Taking up too much space. Too much space. space. That's good. So
0: uh, somebody got married, and that was a quote in the in the paper, like (laughs) the New York Times wedding section. I was like, hey, now. So (laughs) my folks have that on their wall. Nice. Um, I'm really invested in. uh, So my bold ideas are. Creating generational wealth. I do want to repatriate the land and Mm -hmm. wealth that has been stolen from all of us back to us. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to create urban farms uh, in districts like mine where it's really about how we find new economic engines. Mm. Um, And I want that to be the genesis for how in our communities we're creating green energy, Um, in our communities, we're able to light and power and grow them quasi-independently. I mean, not everyone off the grid, but in a way that allows us to recoup that wealth. I think of Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, places where it was rich and vibrant. Mm -hmm. I want to create that everywhere across this country. I want us to stop wasting uh, or consuming. How, I, I would love for us to just kind of halt production and just figure out how to reuse and recycle all of the textiles, the fabrics, mm-hmm. the resources that we have so that we can figure out a way to kind of heal and calm and cool Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. Um I want to boldly reinvest in arts um, and have a WPA program kind of 3.0 where we're solidly solidly investing in arts and education and connecting those things. So when I was running for Congress, you know, I we visited a whole bunch of churches, amazed at the young people mm-hmm. behind all this technology yeah, uh, doing things. Yep. And it's like, I want to be a part of that and I want, the government to be part of that. My my husband's nephew does the Ebony Beach Club, oh. right on Doc Weiler, and yeah, there's yeah, summer yeah. and Wawa, and then yeah. there's Black Market Flea, and and like that's what I want to see yeah. examples of entrepreneurship, yes. community, collectivity, joy, joy, you know. Um, so it's I mean I want social housing. You know, it's not public housing, but I want people to be able to own the spaces that we're creating, like rentals and homes. We're redesigning how people are living, but we're giving them options um, and autonomy in the ways that um, they want to live. A a bold thing is um, elders growing old in dignity and not having to be. Impoverished in order to get substandard help, where we're also just beating down the caregivers that are taking care of them. Yeah, um, it's like basic humanity.
1: Basic humanity was that bold enough? That's bold. Okay, that's bold. And ladies and gentlemen, come on, give me round of applause. <laughs> come on, that's bold. Can I get some love? I mean, my goodness, it's
0: it's not living on Mars or Saturn, but it's yeah, it's
1: it, But <laughs> what sometimes you said. In some context, can feel like that. Re- yeah. Repatriating, returning well, land, right? That's huge. that's huge. And, you know, people don't want to give huge. it up.
0: People don't. And then there was a study that came out that said um, the IRS over audits uh, black communities and poor communities more often than anyone else. There's a little county in Mississippi that's audited. The people are audited more than anyone else because they get EITC earned income tax credits. So, like, you know, stop that BS. Yep.
1: Yep.
0: Right. There's another study that came out that said all these pension funds, mm-hmm. trillions of dollars, mm-hmm. tr- pension funds in our state, uh, pensions run by the federal government, mostly managed by white folks, mm-hmm. not black firms. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. They're simple things. Yep. Because what if just 1%, 3% of that came to these communities that we talk about?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That we come from?
1: Yep. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love you. I can't yeah. tell you how much I appreciate <laughs> this. This has been great, informative. I'm inspired. Nah. I'm inspired. Nuh-uh. This is kind of like my first time hearing like the speech in person. The oh, thing. Oh yeah. So kind of, you know, it was this is I'm I'm on the team. Like I'm <laughs> with it. I'm absolutely <laughs> with it. And I'll be paying you. attention too. You will be. I know. Yeah. You'll be texting me. And I'm gonna send you snippets of this.
0: Okay, yeah, okay. I'm say, don't forget Do you said we was I'll be right there with you. Well, I can't, okay.
1: And I'm be supporting, too. Like, okay, okay. Hey.
0: I guess I can't lie to you. I mean, fast best after all.
1: I mean, I, you know, i will be lying to you. You put the lightning here. on me. if yeah. If You have a lot of sound effects. I just want to say that. The water, <laughs> water, the boozy, boozy, like, we need to just capture those when I have other guests. <laughs> I can hit the button with your yeah, sound yeah, effects. Yeah.
0: Okay. I appreciate you. Okay. I'll
1: give you credit the first time.
0: That's fine. Yeah. You, I don't even need the credit.
1: Oh, see, you're so selfless. I don't even need the credit. A humble servant.
0: I try to the be. The heart of God. I try to be. Oh.
1: Look at there. <laughs> Look at there. <laughs> Congresswoman Sydney Kamlager, thank you so, so very much.
0: Thank you for having me. This Absolutely. was a
1: treat. Super cool. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Misfit Manifesto. I trust this has been as you know impactful for you as it has been for me. Now, what makes these type of moments in this community special is when you're a part of it. So I want to encourage you to go to MisfitManifesto.com. Join the conversation and join the community. I believe something is on the horizon, but I don't want to do it alone. I want to do it with you. So come be a part and let's see some amazing things happen.